You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Good morning. All right. Glad to see everyone here today. Glad that y'all were able to come out and make it in person, and also those who are online. Uh, Today we're going to continue our series in Psalms. If you have your Bible, I'll ask you to go ahead and to turn to Psalms 23. It is a very popular Psalms, but it's one that I find myself continuing to go back to over and over again the last couple months. It all started back in the spring of this year. It was actually spring break. Me and my family were going to take our first family vacation of the year. It's one that we planned last fall. We planned to go to the city that never sleeps, to New York City. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would love to enjoy to go to New York City, I would have told you no. But for some reason, it is one of my favorite traveling destinations. I don't know what it is about the city, but I like it. Me and my wife had been to New York City. It would have been our third time this spring break. And it would have been my kids' first. I was excited for my kids to experience the big city. My daughter was excited because she had heard that Taylor Swift lived there, and she was hoping to see her, but no such luck. My boys were excited because they did some uh, research on some unique shops that they wanted to visit to, and they were ready and excited to experience something new. Before we started to leave, though, we started to hear this little chirping. And it was about a virus that was starting to gain traction in the United States. We went ahead and we went to New York City. We had a blast. While in the city, we really didn't hear anything. Because when we go on vacation, we're basically unplugged. We don't watch any TV, we don't listen to the radio, or we don't watch the news, and we're not on our devices much. So needless to say, when we got back home, reality hit us like a ton of bricks. We came to find that we had left the city just in time. That the city that never sleeps was going to take a nap. That me and my boys were one of the last ones to watch a game in Madison Square Garden. That my wife and daughter were one of the last ones to see a Broadway show. But worst of all, we came home to find no toilet paper in the aisles of any show, of any store. It's crazy to think, but it's true. 
So during my quiet time, I kept finding myself in Psalms. Psalms 23. So when I heard that we were going to do a, a summer in the Psalms, I was excited. Like I said earlier, this psalm is, is a popular psalm. Uh, there's many books written over it and a lot of studies also. Uh, I know that the ladies had just got done with a study over it. They read a book called uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. I read that book for prep of my sermon. And let me tell you, it was a good book. I'm going to use some of that guy's information that I learned in here in this sermon. I'm going to reference some, a lot of the stuff that he says because it was great. I can only imagine the conversation that the ladies had over it. So if you missed it, I'm betting that you missed a blessing. But that's all right. We're going to dive into it again right now. We'll, start, we'll read the whole Psalms and then we'll come back and go verse by verse. So starting in verse 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though... You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the first things that was brought to my attention when I was studying this chapter, and you see it over and over and over again, if you would notice with me the words, me, my, and I. This psalms is very personal. It says me, my, and I over and over in those six verses. I think for a total of 17 times. Yes, the Lord is our Lord and Savior, but we all have a personal relationship with Him and Him with us. So in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David, the writer of this Psalms, he knows the ins and the outs and the cost of being a shepherd. There was a time when the word of the Lord came to Samuel, who was a prophet. And the Lord told him to go to the house of Jesse because he has provided himself a king through one of his sons. Jesse had all his sons pass before Samuel, but the Lord didn't choose any of them. So Samuel asked, he says, are these all your sons? And Jesse answered, all but the youngest who is keeping the sheep. The youngest was David. He was shepherding his father's 
sheep. So in verse 1, David is saying that he's not the shepherd. Even though he knows what it takes to be a shepherd, he's not the shepherd. He's one of the sheep. He is one of the flock. And he is saying that the Lord Almighty is my shepherd. He finishes verse 1 with, I shall not want. Literally, it means like, I lack nothing. Because when the Lord Almighty is your shepherd, what else do you need? I heard one preacher say it like this, that there will be times when we go through hardships and trials. Times when we are confused, when we feel pain. And when we go through these times, we may feel like we are lacking. I felt this way back in the spring. I felt that I was lacking in some of my leadership roles. Lacking in wisdom to lead my household with all the craziness going on in the world. But he said that our Lord is sovereign over these things. Even when we feel pain from lack, He is giving peace. When we experience hurt, He is giving healing. When we experience weakness, He is giving strength. And when we experience confusion, He is giving wisdom. Most of the time, we don't realize it until we are through it and we take a look back. And we can clearly see that the Lord gave us everything that we needed, that we wanted for nothing. The author of A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23, he says that sheep do not just take care of themselves, as some might suppose. He said that they require more than any class of livestock, endless attention, and meticulous care. It's no accident that God has, call, has chosen to call us sheep. In verse 2, we continue, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, or quiet waters. I don't know anything about sheep. I've never owned any. The extent of my sheep knowledge is at the petting zoo, and I truly believe that most of them were goats. Some very interesting things that I found out about sheep while in my studies. That sheep, they just won't lay down. You can't just go to them and have them lay down like you can a dog or something of the sort. For them to lay down, they can't be hungry. They have to have no conflicts within the flock. And they have to have no fear or threats of predators. So when I reread verse 2 and it says that He makes me lay down in green pastures, I start to think of a heavenly place, a place of abundance, a safe place. And it also says, in green pastures. Makes me think of my front yard. 
because it's not green and it's not a pasture. When I bought my house from the previous owner, she turned out to also be my neighbor. She once told me that before they decided to sell the house, they used to rent it. And one of the tenants in the house that used to live there used to take extra care of the front yard. And that the man who lived there would come over with a ruler and some scissors and would measure the grass and cut every little blade of grass with scissors after he mowed it if it was not to where he liked it. And it was green. He took extra care of the yard and a lot of hard work. And I bet it looked great and felt great on the bare foot. Now when she decided to put it on the market, it sat there for a while. Because when I got the house, it didn't look anything like this. So to have green pastures, it's got to take a lot of work. The verse continues to say is that he leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. So if I can try to paint you a picture of a place where it's calm, where it's cool, not the white-watered rapids, but somewhere where it's calm, somewhere where you're not rushed, a place where you can take your time to refresh yourself. The Lord leads you there. In verse 3, he continues and he says, He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for His name's sake. So when I look at this verse, I always look back on verses 2 and 3 together. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for His name's sake. So the question is, is who is doing all this? The Lord is. And what have we had to do so far as sheep? Nothing. It is by God's grace He has done all these things for us. When we get tired and brought down with life and troubles, it is still the Lord that restores us. Your shepherd's provision is not based on your abilities, but by His grace. God is love. So when we walk through difficulties, He will show Himself as love. So He restores us. Then He leads us yet again in path of righteousness for His namesake. God is committed to our good as He is to His own name. He is going to exalt His name in the way He provides for you. God is giving grace. God gets glory. 
and we experience good. That makes Him leading us and guiding us for His namesake a great and wonderful experience. Even if He takes us down a path through the valley of the shadow of death, it is the right path. He doesn't take us down a path for no reason. As verse 4 says, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we will have seasons, weeks, and days that we'll be in the valley. Again, I felt that way in the spring. But the good thing is, is that we're not alone. He is always with us. One thing that I read that when becoming a shepherd, one of the first things that a shepherd gets is his rod and his staff. That when a young boy gets to start watching his father's sheep, he takes pride in selecting a rod. One that is suited exactly for him. He will go and find a sapling, dig it up, and to start to carve it and whittle it down to precision to make it fit his hands and his hands alone. A rod is a short, kind of stubby looking club looking thing. It has a rounded top and it whittles down to where it'll fit into a shepherd's hand. And after the young man finishes the process of making his rod, he then spends countless hours learning how to use it, how to throw it with speed and accuracy. It will become his main weapon of defense for him and his sheep. Now the staff is a long, slender pole that is used to help guide He doesn't hit any of his sheep with this, but he basically puts the staff on the side of his sheep and gently applies pressure to allow the sheep to know that to move to a new path or where the shepherd wants them to go. One shepherd said that he actually saw shepherds, that they would use the staff and lean it against their sheep so that they are in touch that they would walk like this, or the feeling would be like they would be walking hand in hand. The sheep would obviously enjoy the special attention from the shepherd, and it shows a close and personal relationship between the two. So when we have to go through the valleys, take comfort and know that he is still with us. That his rod is there to protect us, and his staff is against us to let us know that he is with us that we should fear no evil. In verse 5, it seems to change a little bit, but it still reads the same. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
the Lord has prepared a table before us. And I can picture that table, a table of abundance, overflowing with what it needs. It symbolizes the care and provision of God that David previously stated with the green pastures and quiet waters. In the presence of our enemies like the adversaries of our life, He then anoints our head with oil. This isn't an anointing like anointing of a king. In those times when someone held a banquet, they would anoint their head with oil to honor them. I want to give you an example in the Scriptures. In Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house to eat. And so he went, and when he went there, he reclined at the table. When a woman came who lived there, lived a sinful life, came and stood at his feet. She began to wet his feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair. She had a jar of perfume and she also poured them on Jesus' feet. When the Pharisees saw this, he thought to himself, if only he knew what kind of woman she is that was touching him. She is a sinner. Jesus, knowing this, said to Simon, he says, I have something to tell you. Tell me, he says. So Jesus said that there were two men who owed money to a moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay the back, the lender. So he canceled their debts. Now which one of them will love more? Simon said, I suppose the one with the greater debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman onto the ground and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You do not give me water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. So when I think about the Lord preparing a table for me, loving me, a, a lone, down, dirty sinner, worthy of nothing but death, and He would anoint my head with oil, yeah, my cup overflows just thinking about that. In the last verse, it reads, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I wonder how many Christians actually feel this way. One shepherd says that it is easy to say that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life when life is going well. When my health is, is in good condition. When my income is flourishing. When my family is well and my friends like me. But what happens when my body starts to break down? What's our reaction if, God forbid, we lose our job and we don't have enough money to pay the bills? What happens if our kids can't make the grade in school or they get caught running with the wrong crowd? What if my friends who I thought were my friends were no longer my friends and they turned against me? These are just a portion of times that, I, that test a person's confidence in the care of Christ. When all our dreams and ambitions come crashing down, can we truly say, goodness and mercy will follow me? Or are we just like a Scrooge? Bah, humbug, get away from me. It's hard for us to think that there is someone who knows what is better for us other than ourselves. God's wisdom is beyond comprehending. And when the chips are down, it's our natural tendency to fear, to worry, and to ask why. But God knows what He is doing even when we don't understand. God's goodness and mercy towards us are new every day. And they will follow us all the days of our lives. The psalm finishes, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As Christians, we know that this to be true. That our relationship with our Heavenly Father will go on forever. And that we will dwell with Him in His house. And if you question that or are not sure about that, I want to read you one last little bit of Scripture. It is in John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. Jesus is speaking, and He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus Christ laid His life down for you and me. His blood that was shed on the cross on Calvary was, is for the redemption of our sins. He rose again from the grave on the third day, and now He sits at the right hand of the Father. He loves and cares for us. So if you are having troubles with what the world is at at the moment, where, whether it be the virus or the riots or whatever else that has happened in 2020 so far, or it could be your job with the uncertainty, maybe it's someone in your family that their health is not doing so well, or maybe your friends have turned on you, or maybe you're just in the valley. I want to let you know that Christ, the Good Shepherd, is with you. He will always be with you. He loves you and He cares for you. He will always provide for you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.